Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and uh, before we get started, if you want to reach out to me, you can send your emails to classesofmail at gmail.com. Let me know if there is anything that I get wrong. I still have an intention to do a mistakes episode at some point when they pile up enough. I'm sure there are enough mistakes out there already, but I'm not being told about them. And I, I try to be careful, but hey, it is what it is. Um, send me topic suggestions. In fact, today's episode is inspired by an email I received from a carrier named Abraham in Louisiana. And he wrote a magnificent statement in his own defense as part of a grievance over discipline. And that's what we're going to talk about today is statements. I'm sure you already figured that out based on the episode title and the show description, but that's all right. So anyway, we're going to talk about statements and the statements that you make to defend yourself, the statements that you make to implicate management, the statements that you make to defend uh, your fellow co-workers. And I'm going to read his letter as part of today's episode, and I'm also going to tell you some stories from my own career that hopefully will demonstrate the value of making statements. So statements themselves generally come in two varieties. There are proactive statements where you're documenting something that happened. You're telling your story about this is what I saw. This is what's going on. A good example of that is documenting a case of abuse by management. This is what the supervisor said. This is how they reacted, you know, things like that. And then there are defensive statements, which is where you defend yourself against discipline, against actions by management. For example, in an investigative interview, that's your chance to give your statement, to talk about, um, you know, what you did and why you did it that way and, you know, your chance to defend yourself. And you can also write defensive statements as part of a grievance. When the union goes to file that grievance, if you have something that you want to say, you should say it right? That will often help your case. And that's what happened with Abraham is he wrote a statement to defend himself as part of a grievance that his supervisor or that his uh, union steward filed over discipline. And normally at this point, I would just tell the story of what happened to Abraham, but his statement is so good. It tells the story for itself. So I'm going to pull up my email and I am going to read Abraham's statement that he sent to me. I'm going to redact some of the stuff in here. There's really no reason to like dox Abraham. So I may say redacted at various places where he talks about his address and I'm not going to give his last name, but essentially this is going to be the statement as he sent it to me. All right, we start at the top. It is dated June 15th, 2023. And he writes his name, his route number, Abraham and comfort stops grievance statement. Here we go. I, Abraham, writing my statement for a grievance to be filed on my behalf. On June 15th, 2023, I was told by management at the such-and-such uh, -such post office that during my route evaluation on June 6th, 2023, they had a problem with the two comfort stops I took and the location where I stopped to take my comfort stops, which is my residence at such-and-such -such address, located on my current route assignment where I stopped to take them. I was then instructed to no longer take my comfort stops at his address and to take my future comfort stops at the stop and go gas station at some other address, which is not on my route. 
I inform management that the restroom at Stop and Go Gas Station is for their employees only, and he included pictures of the signs, and they will not allow me to use the restroom there the majority of the time. The restaurant is a single-stall, unsanitary restroom at Stop and Go and is located in the store manager's office. During shift change at the stop-and-go gas station, while the manager is counting the money in the cashier's drawer, no one is allowed to go into their office. I feel very uncomfortable going through the manager's office to use the restroom if I happen to be allowed. Management at the Moreo Park... Er, <laughs> well, I may have to edit for the first time. Management at such-and-such uh, such post office also stated that they had a problem with the amount of two comfort stops I took on June 6, 2023 during the route evaluation performed on my route. I questioned multiple carriers who had also had their routes evaluated between the dates of June 5th and June 14th on how many comfort stops they had taken. They all answered two comfort stops. These carriers and the route numbers are blah, 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 and he lists the carriers. They all stated that management had no problem where they took their two comfort stops, and some traveled a longer distance and went off their routes to other routes to their comfort stops during their route evaluation. I find this, as a letter carrier with 17 years of satisfactory service, to be unjustly and unfairly treated with such humiliation as to not be allowed the comfort stop at my residence, while other letter carriers at my post office are allowed to use their comfort stop at their place of residence, even if they traveled outside their route. I want to point out that the route inspectors previously instructed me to take my comfort stop at... Oh, I gotta go... uh, Sorry, I gotta open up the next... Uh, image here. Uh, there we go. Uh, the other, the manage, managers on previous comfort stops have allowed him to take the bathroom break at his house or previous route evaluations. Jeez Louise. All right. So anyway, continuing on, I've also let management at my post office know that the changing of the comfort stop is causing a hardship to me due to bladder issues that I have suffered and currently as a U.S. Army veteran have had medical treatment for my bladder at the VA hospital. I've provided management at my post office with documentation twice from the VA hospital with my bladder diagnosis. It's very painful to me to have to hold my urine and not be allowed to relieve myself. I want to point out that when I stopped to relieve myself on my route evaluation, it took less than three minutes total each time so as to not have any confusion about how long it took. M39 section 242.341 reads, quote, reasonable comfort stops will not be deducted from the carrier's actual time. End quote. For the last week, management at my post office have been badgering me and stating that my time should be deducted 30 minutes as a result of the comfort stop I made during the route evaluation on June 6th. As an employee with nearly two decades of service as a dedicated letter carrier with great service record, I feel intimidated by such false statements. I'm requesting that my comfort stops be relocated back to his address and to be treated with dignity and respect as an employee of the U.S. Postal Service. All right, so that is his statement. And then in addition to a statement, he includes photos of his red book where it actually shows where his own home is located on his route. And he also shows, I think, I think I remember this right. Yeah, that on his 1564A, that his own home address is actually listed as a lunch location. It's already approved on the 1564A. So all of this was included in his statement. Now, if you're in upper management, like, or whoever's settling this grievance, 
How in the world can you hear all that and not side with the carrier? This grievance is a slam dunk. That carrier, Abraham made it so easy for his union steward to make that case. Abraham, Abraham made the case for the union steward. And that's what you need to do. If you're capable of writing a statement like that, where you lay out why there's a bunch of crap, do that. That can only help you. All right, so that's Abraham's story, and that is how you defend yourself. Now, I want to talk about investigative interviews. This is your chance to tell your side of the story. When management wants to know why you were stationary for 10, uh, 12 minutes, you know, you can say, I was working. That's what Corey Walton recommends on ADA arbitration, and I am not going to overrule anything that Corey says. But likewise, if you have something valid to say that, uh, I was delivering to an apartment complex. That's a perfectly reasonable reason to be stationary and feel free to say that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're doing something that is not wrong, let management know. Again, the investigative interview is not supposed to just be a railroad stop on the way to discipline. It's supposed to be your chance to explain yourself, to explain why you're innocent. To explain why you feel you're being targeted, if that's the case. To explain how you're being unfairly treated, if that's the case. This is where you make your case. Of course, with all of that, please take the caveat that you want to talk to your union steward about that first. You know, if you are off your route, you know, you've gone outside of your route area and management wants to discipline you for it, and your planned defense is, no, that's legitimate. I have to go out there because that's where my drug dealer lives. Well, your union steward's probably going to tell you that that's not the best defense to take. Maybe we need to come up with another defense. So all of this needs to be done in conjunction with your union steward. But again, the investigative interview, that is your opportunity to make a defense. And please make your statements to go along with that. All right, so that's defensive statements. Now we're going to talk about proactive statements. These are the ones that come when you're not in trouble when you are trying to document something that's going on, such as management abuse. You're going to document what that supervisor said, the tone that they used, how it made you feel, stuff like that. Or you're going to make a statement that documents some kind of safety hazard or statements that you make in an effort to either protect yourself or your fellow carriers or both or whoever going forward. So these are the stories that I have from my own career and I'm going to tell you a couple of brief stories right now. The first one goes back to when I was a brand new PTF way back in 2006. And I had just started at the post office. So I was at a very small station. It was the Strip Post Office, which was back, uh, this is in Las Vegas, and we delivered to the Strip. It was really cool. We were back behind the Stardust Hotel, which does not exist anymore, and the post office there doesn't exist anymore either. But regardless, that's where I started. It was a really small station. It had like 13 routes. And at small stations like that, we would get supervisors who were either on their way up, like they were just starting out, trying to get their feet under them, and they were moving up, or they were uh, supervisors who were kind of on their way out. And this was maybe a last chance for them. So we had this one supervisor who was a really bad egg supervisor and he'd been chased around from station to station and there would be these conflict issues and eventually he wound up at our station at the strip post office. So one day we're, uh, we're shorthanded 
and I wind up having to case multiple routes. And I've never been a particularly fast caser, but especially when I was a new PTF, man, I was slow. So I had to case two different routes. And then this other veteran carrier who was a T6 was casing probably three routes that day. And out of 13 routes, that's, that's a pretty rough day. So we're in the office late. I don't remember how late it was. This happened like 16 years ago, 17 years ago. Um, but the details aren't really important. It's the takeaway. So we're in there super late and the supervisor is getting more and more frustrated with us. I need you guys to get out of my office, get out on the workroom floor. And whenever me and the other carrier would start talking to each other, the supervisor would get pissed off and tell us to shut up and, and face your case and be quiet and get off my office time, you know, get out there on the street or whatever. I don't even remember if office time was a thing back. doesn't matter. So finally, the other carrier finishes, this old veteran carrier finishes casing up his last route. He pulls it down and puts it all in his hamper and he's pushing out and the hamper's real overloaded and he hits a bump or something and right next to the supervisor's desk, a bunch of mail falls down and spills across the floor. And dude, that sucks. Now he's going to have to go out and, or, you know, bring that mail back to his case, case it back up, get it back in order, and this is a big delay. Well, the supervisor loses it, and he starts laying into this carrier. And the carrier is an old-timer. He knows he doesn't have to take that crap. And so he tells the supervisor, uh, yeah, I think this is a um, this is a time-wasting practice. You know, Maybe you better document this, or whatever he said. And then I chime in, and I say, yeah, we better get our safety captain back in here, too. I think all the spilled mail is a safety hazard. And man, that supervisor turned on me and he got in my face and he says, I do not want to hear another word out of you for the rest of the day. Do you understand me? And I probably should have just let it go right there, but I didn't. Instead, I said, uh, gee, uh, supervisor, I don't really know how to respond to that because you told me that you don't want me to say anything else. But then you also asked if I understand and I don't know if I'm supposed to answer or not. And then he really lost it. And he said, if you say another word for the rest of the day, I'm going to 16-7 you pending your removal from the post office. 16-7 uh, is uh, it's emergency removal. Essentially, they're like firing you on the spot. And I was still on probation at the time, as far as I recall. I really don't remember. But either way, it felt like a very legitimate threat. So I don't say anything else. And I finished getting my mail together. And then I pull down and I get out of the office. As soon as I get out of the office, I call the union hall and I tell them exactly what happened. And to my memory, they were actually glad to hear it because they had this long paper trail of grievances against this supervisor. And they had been trying to get him out of the supervising role so that carriers wouldn't have to be abused by him anymore. And so they said, please write a statement Tell me, you know, put everything that you said just happened, put it all in a statement, and we're going to nail this guy. And that is exactly what happened. I wrote my statement while I was out there carrying the mail. And when I got back to the station, that supervisor was still there. And he's like, hey, you know, um, things got a little heated this morning, but we're cool. You know, that's just the way people talk to each other. And he tried to, like, be buddy-buddy and try to act like he wasn't totally out of line. And I didn't talk to him. I didn't say a word to him. I took my statement. I gave it to the union and to the union's credit, they went forward with it. And that was the last time that dude ever, ever supervised carriers. 
So we finally got to the last straw. Now, the post office didn't fire him. They just moved him to some other job. But at least carriers didn't have to be abused by that guy anymore. You know, and I'm sure that that would have happened at some point down the road. But it was nice to be part of that where my statement was that last straw that finally took him out of that role. And that can be you. You know, when you make that statement, then you're going to get that supervisor finally removed. Okay, so that's story number one. Story number two, again, about the value of statements, comes a few years later when I was a T6 at my current post office, East Las Vegas. And back then, uh, there was a guy who worked at my station, and I'm not going to say his name, uh, but he was uh, known to be a hothead. He was very quick to anger, wanted to fight people, and we'll just call him angry guy. So angry guy was one of my regular carriers when I was his T6 and I didn't like talking to the guy, but you know, we, it, we had a cordial, I guess, relationship, or at least, you know, it wasn't heated and I'd carry his route once a week. So one day I'm on the route right next to him and I'm going to be on his route tomorrow and I'm casing up my mail, minding my own business and this was back like during the foreclosure crisis where we were delivering just tons and tons of certified letters and single houses would get like 15 certified letters at a time. So he comes over to me with this big stack of certified flats and he goes, Hey man, look at all these flat, look at all these certifieds. How am I going to deliver all these? And I said, Oh yeah, that's, that's a lot of certifieds, but ah, you can handle it. You're a professional. And he goes back into his case. A little while later, he comes back over to my case and he's angry. And he says, hey, man, what's that crack you made about you're a professional? You think you're better than me? You think you're more professional than I am? And I could tell he's pissed off. And I'm like, whoa, dude, no, angry guy, you know, be cool, man. I'm just saying, you know, I'm sure you can handle it. And uh, you know what, though, if it's a problem, just leave him for tomorrow. And I'm going to be in your route tomorrow anyway, so I can just deliver him then. And that seems to satisfy him. He goes back over into his case. A little while later, it comes over again, and now he's even more upset. He's clearly been getting himself all riled up over in his case, and he comes over again, and this time his fists are balled up, and he says, you know something else? I'm sick of hearing you just laughing all the time. You just laugh out for no reason. It's driving us all crazy. We all hate it. You've got to stop that. And in fairness to him, I do laugh for no apparent reason because I'm usually listening to a podcast that's like a comedy podcast or something, and I just start laughing. So... I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just listening to something funny. It's that's it. And he goes back over to his case a little while later. It comes over again. And now he's even more pissed off. And he says, you know, when you're out of my route or when I carry my route after you, I've been getting complaints from my route from people who say you're like making misdeliveries out there. And I'm sick of hearing that complaining. And I go, yeah, man, don't don't put up for that. Don't put up with those people complaining. You got to tell them what's what And he goes, no, we're going to go outside. I'm going to tell you what's what we're going to go talk about this outside. And it's clear from his tone and his posture, he's got his fist balled up, he's leaning leaning into me, that he wants to go outside to engage in fisticuffs. And I am not a fisticuffs kind of guy. I have not gotten in a fight since probably sophomore year in high school, something like that. And, uh, you know, so there's no way I'm going outside with this guy for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I'm an adult now and I try not to solve my problems that way. Number two... At the post office, if you get in a fist fight, 
it does not matter who started it. You guys are both getting fired and then good luck getting your job back. You know, that'll all wash out, but you're out right away. And then number three, the dude was a former Navy boxer and he would have beat the crap out of me. So no way I'm going outside with this guy. So he goes back over to his case and now like, dude, enough is enough. I got to go talk to the supervisor. So I go tell the supervisor, Hey, you got to talk to angry guy. He's super pissed. He wants me to go outside with him and I'm not doing that. So you got to handle this. So they get on the PA, they call angry guy into the supervisor's office. And then a little while later, the supervisor and the union steward walk angry guy back to his case. And then they bring me into the office and we try to figure out like, what the hell happened? What set him off? And we go over the whole story and dude, of all the crazy things, Right at the beginning, when he goes, man, look at all these certified flats. How am I going to deliver all these? I thought he was just complaining. But it turned out that the dude actually didn't know how to deliver certified mail. It's too bad the classes of mail podcast didn't exist back then. I just did an episode on that. But this dude who had like 12 years experience in the post office didn't know how to deliver certified mail. And so he was coming to me to ask me sincerely, how do I deliver these? And then I responded with this seemingly snide comment about, ah, oh, you can do it, you're a professional. And so in his mind, I was insulting his professionalism. And that's what got him so pissed off. So eventually, angry guy finishes casing, he goes out to the street. And once he goes out to the street, all these other carriers start coming up to me. They're like, dude, I heard what angry guy said to you. You know, just last week, he wanted to take me outside because he said I was talking too loud. I'm like, holy crap, that's that's out of control, man. Did you write up a statement? Oh, no, man, I don't want anything to do with angry guy. Oh, well, that doesn't do me a lot of good. And a woman at the, at the station came up to me and she said, you know, like a month ago, I was carrying on angry guy's route and he wanted to take me outside because he said I misdelivered something on his route. I'm like, holy crap, that's insane. Did you write up a statement about it? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want anything to do with that. And, uh, you know, I just want to leave it alone. So mine wound up being the, oh, mine wound up being the only statement. But the legendary story about Angry Guy that carrier after carrier told me. And if any of my fellow carriers are listening who were around at that time, you will definitely remember when this happened. One day, angry guy gets a phone call at the supervisor's desk. And so he goes up there, he's on the phone, and it from listening in, you can hear it's something about a check going missing. And angry guy is getting more and more pissed off. And finally, he says, that's it. I'm coming over there and I'm kicking your ass. And he slams the phone down and he goes to clock out. And the station manager tries to stop him. Like, dude, you can't go... To this, oh, it turned out, by the way, important detail, he wasn't talking to one of the customers on his route. He was talking to the carrier who delivers to his house out of another post office. So he was going to clock out of our station, East Las Vegas, and go drive to the Henderson post office to go kick the ass of the carrier who he felt misdelivered his mail. And the station manager tries to stop him. And he ain't being stopped. So he clocks out and he goes to drive over to that station to go kick somebody's ass. Well, by the time he gets there, people know he's coming. Cooler heads prevailed and there's no fight. So the takeaway here is not really about angry guy. 
It's about the fallout. Because we had a station manager at the time who I loved. Everybody loved her. She was like the station grandma. She was so nice. She was sweet. She was compassionate. Uh, She would go play bingo. And when she won at bingo, she would bring in donuts for everybody, which is always great. But she was also a really soft touch. And she was not the kind to issue discipline. And so what wound up happening after this incident is uh, with angry guy going over to the other post office is nothing. There was no fight. And so it didn't get filed. Now, all of this is as far as I know. Um, there may, I'm sure there are details about this, which I'm not privy to. And I can't speak to any of that. I'm telling a story here. And the takeaway from the story is what's important. So if you were involved in any of this, forgive me if I get some of the details wrong. It was a long time ago. All right. So anyway, fast forward now to when I write my statement, I write the whole story about what happened. And as part of my statement, I indicate that I'm not comfortable being angry guys T six anymore. And I don't want to work with the guy. I don't want to be forced to have to interact with him. So I turn this in. I give it to that soft touch station manager. And I'm essentially insisting, I probably even use the phrase hostile work environment, that something be done about this. And to their credit, to the station manager's credit, she changed my T6 swing so that I wasn't his T6 anymore. And on that day, I did some other route and somebody else got stuck with him on that day. So that was good. That resolved the problem. And that was that. Well, fast forward sometime down the road. Maybe it was months. Maybe it was a year. I don't know. But uh, the station manager, that sweet old lady, was over talking to Angry Guy about his time on his route. They were arguing about the 3996. And Angry Guy is getting more and more heated. And finally, he raises his fist to hit the station manager and people are watching they grab him again i may not have the details exact but this is my recollection of what happened they grab him restrain him and he's he's out that's it obviously you do something like that you're fired on the spot and uh so we don't see angry guy well fast forward maybe three months six months later whatever it was and angry guy comes cruising back into the post office the union got him his job back and The argument that the union used was that this was a completely isolated incident. He didn't actually hit the station manager, and he had no history of any kind of outburst like this before because nobody had written statements about it. And it turned out that the statement that I wrote was enough to get my T6 swing changed, but it was not enough for that station manager to actually issue discipline. My statement just went into a drawer somewhere and gathered dust. So once this finally happened and he was ready to be violent, there was no paper trail. So he got his job back. So we fast forward maybe another few months after that, maybe a year, we get a new station manager in our station. And Angry guy gets called up to the supervisor's desk again to talk about box K on the 3996, the estimated work. And he feels like he's being treated unfairly and, and things get heated. And then he takes his arms and does the, the clean sweep on the supervisor's desk where he just knocks everything off the supervisor's desk and, you know, has this crazy outburst. And so they fire him again 
And that was the last time I ever saw an angry guy. I did hear that he got his job back again and wound up, uh, was just forbidden from our station, but I cannot verify that. Hell, none of this I can verify. The point here is that it shows you that without these statements, without these paper trails, stuff like this, this bad behavior is allowed to continue. And we don't want that. We want this to stop. And in order for that to stop, we have to do our part. So that's where the joint statement on violence and behavior in the workplace comes in. Because if these um, these incidents are supposed to be taken seriously, and we're not supposed to put up with any kind of bad behavior like that, because sadly the post office has a history with these kind of incidents. And most of you are probably familiar with the expression going postal. Well, that doesn't come from nowhere. That comes from a series of actual incidents. I'm pleased to report that when I was teaching in the academy, by the way, I'm still not back in the academy. We're going on six months now, closing in on six months. And last I heard my grievance is now up to the, or the dispute resolution or alternative dispute, whatever it is, it's now up to the national level. So good times there. I'll tell that story at some point. But anyway, when I was in the academy, um, some of my younger students didn't know what going postal meant. They'd never, they'd never heard of it. And so that's good, right? That's, that's progress of a sort. Um, but there was an incident in November, on November 4th, 1991 at the Royal Oak, Michigan post office where a carrier who had been fired, uh, I think he was a carrier. Actually, I don't know. A craft employee who had been fired, uh, lost his arbitration case to get his job back and came in and shot the place up and wound up killing four people and injured many more before eventually turning the gun on himself. And this was the fifth shooting of its type at the post office in a six year stretch. And so the post office finally realized like, do we have a culture problem here? And it's a culture problem that is rearing its ugly head again now in the year, in the futuristic year 2023. So that's what makes this worth talking about. So I want to go back to the year 1991 and we're going to read together the joint statement on violence and behavior in the workplace. This essentially has force of contract um, with it. Because everybody signed off on this, everybody agrees on this joint statement, and it can be used in grievance settlements or, you know, in the grievance process. So here's the statement. We all grieve for the Royal Oak victims, and we sympathize with their families, as we have grieved and sympathized all too often before in similar horrifying circumstances. But grief and sympathy are not enough. Neither are ritualistic expressions of grave concern or the initiation of investigations, studies, or research projects. The United States Postal Service as an institution, and all of us who serve that institution, must firmly and unequivocally commit to do everything within our power to prevent further incidents of work-related violence. This is a time for a candid appraisal of our flaws, and not a time for scapegoating, finger-pointing, or procrastination. Is a time for reaffirming the basic right of all employees to a safe and humane working environment, 
it is also the time to take action to show that we mean what we say. We openly acknowledge that in some places or units, there is an unacceptable level of stress in the workplace, that there is no excuse for and will be no tolerance of violence or any threats of violence by anyone at any level of the post office, and that there is no excuse for and will be no tolerance of harassment, intimidation, threats, or bullying by anyone. We also affirm that every employee at every level of the post, Postal Service should be treated at all times with dignity, respect, and fairness. The need for the USPS to serve the public efficiently and productively, and the need for all employees to be committed to giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, does not justify actions that are abusive or intolerant. Quote, making the numbers, end quote, is not an excuse for the abuse of anyone. Those who do not treat others with dignity and respect will not be rewarded or promoted. Those whose unacceptable behavior continues will be removed from their positions. We obviously cannot ensure that, however seriously intended our words may be, they will not be treated with winks and nods, or skepticism, by some of our over 700,000 employees. But let there be no mistake that we mean what we say, and we will enforce our commitment to a workplace where dignity, respect, and fairness are basic human rights, and where those who do not respect those are not tolerated. Our intention is to make the workroom floor a safer, more harmonious, as well as a more productive workplace. We pledge our efforts to those objectives. Dated February 14th, 1992. So there it is, the Joint Statement on Violence and Behavior in the Workplace. I read it in the Academy every single class. And, you know, some of the more important stuff in here is that making the numbers is not an excuse for the abuse of anyone. And yet that is certainly... It's called out specifically, and it is still probably the single most common excuse for the abuse of carriers, that, oh, you're too slow, you're slacking off out there. And here it is, specifically called out as unacceptable. This joint statement is only worth the paper it's printed on if you do something about it. The joint statement is worthless without your statement. I am an alternate steward at my post office, and there is a special place in my heart for CCAs. I check in with them all the time. I want to know how they're doing. And because of that, CCAs will come to me, and they'll tell me stories of mistreatment. And they'll tell me what management said to them. And, oh, my God, you won't believe what they did. And, and oh, this is what happened this morning. And say, dude write a statement. I would love to file a grievance on this. Please let me file a grievance on this. I just need your statement. And then they won't write the statement because they're afraid of retaliation or they're afraid that management's going to make it hard for them. And I get it because management controls their schedule and they can jerk those carriers around and just stop giving them hours or start sending them to other stations every day. And that, that sucks. That, that sucks bad. And I want to do something about it. But I can't do it without those statements. All of this stuff can't work without you doing your part, writing a statement. You know, and multiple statements from multiple carriers are the best. We had that happen at my station just recently where some higher-ups came in 
And they were really pissed about office times and that we were taking too long in the office and they start yelling at some carriers and, and one guy really got out of control. And then he accused a carrier of flipping him off. And that carrier did not flip him off. And the, the supervisor blew his top or the not the supervisor, higher up than that, the MCSO or whatever it was, blew his top. And uh, there was an investigative interview where the carrier got investigated, you know, for discipline. And luckily we were able to get statements from that carrier and from a bunch of other carriers who all talked about how out of control this supervisor was and that they did not see the carrier flip him the bird. And so there wound up being no discipline for this carrier. And as far as I know, I wasn't part of it. Um, there was a joint statement grievance filed against that, uh, that higher up. Statements make all the difference. This is how you defend yourself. This is how you speak up for yourself. You speak up for your fellow carriers and you speak up for what's right. Write that statement. All right. That is the end of the episode today. Thank you guys for listening. And I really appreciate it. Again, if you have any comments, suggestions, stories of your own, things that could be part of future episodes or corrections. Please send them into classesofmail at gmail.com. And I'm going to keep doing what I can on my end to help make you discipline proof. Take care. Be safe out there.